Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast, Coming up on this episode, our podcast are interested in monitoring with the intention of scouting. Insert player name here. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. We, we hope you enjoyed our third episode in our interview series on Mondays. We spoke to Tom from Kit Mag Pod to talk all about the history of the Chelsea FC kit. Sponsors, designers, the future of kit design. Uh, look, if you haven't checked it out, well, once you're done with this episode, go and put it next on your queue. I swear I haven't wrote that as a script, but uh, no, go check it out. It's, uh, it's a good it's a good listen, I promise you. Uh, we're not a trio today, it's just a duo, but, you know, we're about to bring 45 minutes of complaining about the weather. Is it too hot? Is it humid? Are we rocking sliders? I don't know. Break it down, Chris. It, it is too hot. <laughs> it's, it's too hot for me anyway. I, like, I know some people love it, but I'm not really one for extremely hot weather. Once it's it gets a, it's over cold like... 31. Yeah, once once it gets over like twenty two, I, I will always be moaning about it because I'm just I'm just too hot. I, t- I tell you what, I've been about today. I've been to the shop and I have seen people in padded puffer jackets, and I'm still shocked. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh was... no, no. Yeah, I was walking back from work and there was a bloke in front of me in a full blown black coat, and I thought oh. he must he must be insane. <laughs> He, he, no, no. I mean, I could imagine if I did that at the end of the day, you could ring me out and grossly yeah. fill a whole water. Oh, no, you don't want to be doing that. I mean, of course, if listeners, we have listeners in Australia, America, Mexico, Canada, loads of places across the world. Um, tomorrow's going to be 15 and raining. So that sums up Britain. Boiling hot yes, today, raining, pissing down tomorrow. That's kind of Britain in a nutshell. Um, we are going to kick off with uh, another round, though, of that great game show, Who Is That Former Blue? And the sound effect naturally doesn't work because it never does every (laughs) week. Every week I do this. There we go. Yeah, it's really annoying. Yeah, get get there. Um, So this former blue, he played 256 times for Chelsea. He scored 25 goals and was sent off twice both times being in the 90th minute. He finished his career in Azerbaijan and he's played with Fernando Torres, Fabino, and Sylvan Wiltord. Any ideas? Oh, that's why I have my phone on silent. Uh, no. Oh. I thought I, no. I, I, I still like the fact that over those players, I'm like, oh, that's that feels like from the year 1999 to 2022 because of Fabinho yeah. and Will Todd. That's what I feel. I thought that when you said those players, I thought, well, he's narrowed that down to about a 20 year time span. Yeah, this player, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not the age of 50. He definitely isn't 50 yet. Promise. Um, well, we'll find out at the end. But. For now, we're going to head straight into the newsroom, see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge.
as always, it's time to grab yourself a drink, an iced coffee today, and a hot drink, um, as we check out what you may have missed in our weekly roundup in the elevator of Chelsea News. Chelsea are interested in Wolves left-back Ryan Aitnuri. Chelsea have exercised their option to extend Billy Gilmore's contract until 2024. Official images of our 2022-23 home kit have been released, as well as our training kit. Three will remain the main shirt sponsor for the final year of their contract next season. Boo! I know, we wanted Trivago. Uh, Chelsea have officially opened talks with Inter over Romelu Lukaku returned to the club on loan. Lukaku is looking set to rejoin Inter on a loan deal. Jake Clark Salter has left Chelsea's free agent and signs for QPR. Chelsea are interested in signing Lazio goalkeeper Thomas Stracosa. Barcelona would like to sign Jules Kunde, but first need to find out if they can afford a full tank of fuel for their private plane. And finally in the news, the Premier League fixtures. They got announced, didn't they? 22-23. Woohoo! Um, now, Chris, what, have, what news story have you been monitoring and held a keen interest in this week? There was something interesting about the Lukaku situation that I read on Twitter. About. Was there scouting involved, interesting, monitoring, any of that kind? Anything with Chelsea no. at the moment seems very sensitive. It's like, oh, transfer, oh, wait, we're just looking at him, yeah. it's fine, doesn't matter. If you're going to mute someone on Twitter, that's, it's all those phrases in it at the minute. Yeah, but then my um, timeline would be empty. I mean, Yeah, it, it really <laughs> would. Um, no, but I'm not convinced that Boley thinks getting rid of Lukaku permanently is the best option. I think him and Tuchel have a different of opinion, a difference of opinion there because I read that it's Lukaku isn't set on leaving permanently and the mm-hmm. club, and I'm assuming when, they, when it says the club, it means Todd Bowley, aren't convinced that him leaving permanently is the best option either, that should they be giving up on a such a big name signing after only one season and yeah. he's asked Tuckle whether the relationship is repairable now I don't think it is but that's that suggests to me that there's, there's already disagreements and this could be why a lot of our you know other transfer interests are taking so long to complete because I think Bowley does want to do that Liverpool model where players are scouted and looked at with data and you know, like a statistical analysis. Well, it works. We've seen proven models of it working. That's the thing. Yeah, it, exactly. But it, I don't think you can do that and give the manager the players he wants because I just think it, it's almost a conflict in it that he he could be picking players that they've got no idea about. I mean, they wouldn't have any idea about anyone at the minute because they wouldn't have had the time to put that framework in place. But going forward, I, do, I just don't think it's going to work the way that people expected with the... I don't think Tuckle's going to be picking who he wants. And I can see already that there could be problems. Hmm. I think what's, what's frustrating is, if you look at our club, if I just go back five managers. So sorry, sorry, Chris Dink, you, you took temporary charge. It does, you, you're not included. Um, you've got Tuckle, you've got Lampard, you've got Sarri, you've got Conte, and you've got Mourinho. Each one of those is very, very different to the, the other. And that's the problem. They bring in their own players. And we've got, I mean, I heard on a another podcast this week about Victor Moses. 
he was he he was brought in. He was barely used, and then shipped out on loan. Comes in, Conte comes in, and all of a sudden, he's the best right wing back we've seen in the Premier League for a you know considerable time. And he was amazing, no doubts there. Wow, what a player! And yeah, yeah. then we had Sarri come in, who played a completely different system. Back four, uh, Moses, you're no use. <laughs> it's kind of that. I mean, I've got no issue with backing a manager. Wow, that's what we need. You know, we've seen it, how it works with Guardiola, Klopp, and many other managers in just in football history. But we can't just keep getting players in for one set manager if we're going to... That's the problem. I'm not saying it wouldn't work on a Tuckle. It probably will work wonders. The thing that worries me is if we back him, and then we think the I'm not saying the ownership would, but go, oh, should we change the manager because he's fallen out with people? And then we're back to the same thing again. We're like, oh dear, we're gonna have to invest in another manager's idea unless we get a manager who fits well, the Tuckle plan. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's that's an argument I've had on Twitter numerous times over the last few weeks that Who have you upset now? I don't think you should I don't think you should back a manager in, in in that sense of people think that Liverpool back Jurgen Klopp but they don't really that they back his philosophy so he says I want a right winger they will mm-hmm. find someone who suits his style of play but I can guarantee when Jurgen Klopp leaves Liverpool they will put a manager in charge who plays a very similar style to Jurgen Klopp yeah that it's, would make a lot of sense yeah, it's the way Barcelona do it. It's the way Ajax do it. It's the way Bayern Munich do it. Their squad is built around a philosophy of playing, not a specific manager. Then they find the manager that suits that philosophy, not the other way around. And like you said, with Victor Moses, so you look at Tuchel now, if he's going to stick with this 3-4-3 system, which when you look at everyone we're linked with, it screams that he wants to stick with that system. Mm-hmm. So let's say he signs... Two new wing backs, but they're like Marcus Alonso. They can only play wing back. And then 12 months down the line, Tuckle walks out for whatever reason. Or he gets sacked. And then the next manager we appoint says, Oh, I want to play a back four. You've got to sell four players now because none of them can play right back mm. or left back. It it doesn't work that way. I you a manager can ask for a certain for a certain player in a certain position a certain position, sorry. And then the club should find a player. But I don't think they should be building the club around one man anyway, because we've seen Man United did it with Alex Ferguson. Arsenal did it with Arsene Wenger. And it's great while they're there. But when they leave, those two clubs have never recovered from those two leaving. And Tuckle is not going to be at Chelsea for 15 years. It's not going to happen. At I don't, most, think, I don't just, think you'll never. I don't think we'll ever see a manager at a club for, I'd say no. a decade, but that's not true because Klopp's got three more years and he's been at Liverpool a decade, which is amazing tenure. Like wow. Yeah, it is. But I think more realistically, Tuckle would be with us for five years maximum, mm. maybe five six years, and then if the entire club's built around him, then when he leaves a whole rebuild again and then you're two three years down the line and you've been finishing sixth and seventh and you're like oh we'll, we'll get back there one day and that's what Man United and Arsenal keep saying every year mm. but I think the club now should be building a philosophy of how they want the club to play and 
you know, whether that's pro promoting youth or bringing in big money signs, whatever it is, build that philosophy. And then Tuckle and the players that we've got either fit that or they don't. And then if yeah. they don't, you start moving them on. And I think that's a a model to sustain more success over a longer period than just backing one man. Yeah, I can understand your point. I'd love to know what listeners think on this. I can understand whenever you bring up managerial topics in general, it always causes a uh, lively debate, let's say. So we'll see what see what listeners think. Um, I've got to say the fixtures because it's always a big day. It it was mm. a it was it was a day this week that I've already forgot. It was Thursday. <laughs> that was yesterday. That was all right. Wow, I've already forgot. Um, first match is Everton away. Boxing Day is Bournemouth. The New Year's clash is Man City at the Bridge, and then we end at home against Newcastle. So we start with our ex. Then for Christmas we invite the family member to join us. That you know you know the one there. They're going to frustrate you so much and spoil the day. But yeah, we've got New Year's Day. Get in. Yeah, we love it. We invite who we want. And ah, oh, that's going to be a hangover because it's City. And then we finish against the wealthiest club in football. Ah, well, but who cares about the, those fixtures? Um, we care about the opening five. We've got Everton away, Spurs at home, Leeds away, Leicester at home, Southampton away. Oh, that's it's it's not as easy as I think. I know people go, it's three points in... August is still three points. It's the same value, but Spurs that early is always. Oh, is it going to be close? Is it going to be open? Oh, it's going to be. I, I'm worried about Spurs because I think they're making smart transfer moves, and yeah. they were good under Conte last season when he was. Well, you could see. I mean, yeah, they didn't finish third, third even. Um, but they could have easily overtaken us, giving it a few more games, because look at the form. If they take that form into next season, wow, we are going to be in for a fight for top four, because I think realistically, we're probably not ready for a title challenge. <laughs> I'd love to say we yeah. are, but we're probably not. Yeah, that's going to be scary, because they might be great on paper. It doesn't always work in reality, but on paper, dykes. What do you, what do you think of them fixtures? I don't think the computer was very kind to us at all, was it? Let's be no, honest. no, mean, not really. Especially Ever Boxing Day, because you think of the World Cup, and Bournemouth probably aren't going to have many coming back from a World Cup whilst we will. So the tiredness factor's there as well. Yeah, and our awful record against Bournemouth. Oh, yes. Oh, I haven't forgotten it. Add that in. That, that doesn't help. But those opening five are, are tough. I think until Southampton away... I, I I wouldn't be overconfident going into any of them, to be honest. I mean, mm. we 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 gen we generally do well against Tottenham, but it is going to be an interesting season to see what Tottenham do because I think under Conte, we 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 all saw how good Conte can be. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, if you look at the job he did last season with a squad that he inherited. And then now they're backing in with signings that suit his style. They are going to be a force next year. I think I'd be more surprised if they wasn't than if they are. So that's tough. And Everton away opening day, they're going to be buoyant going into a new season because they're just going to want to put to bed the season just gone. Mm -hmm. uh, and our record at Goodison Park isn't great either. I know. So, I think they haven't lost an opening game since 2012 and that was against QPR. So yeah. You know. like, oh, does it means nothing? I, I get the logic, but I, whenever I hear that, I just think it means nothing. 
It yeah, gen- we could beat a team. We we've beaten Spurs. Feels like we always beat Spurs. Means yeah, nothing. Yeah. On the day, you could lose six nil. Yeah. You could win six nil. It's it's. I get the narrative, but it technically, unless it does play in the mindset, I don't know. But we'll see. It's hopefully. Let's not judge transfer business this early. I know people are losing their minds seeing our rivals sign top talent. I get it. I do understand it. <laughs> I mean, I sort of sit here a bit impatient, go, do something, sign someone, anyone. I get, but I, it's, I get it too. But I mean, some of the stuff that I've seen. I mean, people calling for Todd Bowley out already. I think I saw that. Over. It's like, oh, we've started yeah. early. <laughs> it's so silly. Come on. We don't need to start, you know, starting that stuff. It's so silly. It's so early. Um, but our, our main topic this week, it's it's special thanks to Chelsea Loan Army. What a Twitter account they have. I mean, we look back on the 21-22 season from the eyes of the Loan Army. Which Loney shined, which will be in our first team come pre-season. Who's likely heading to Vitesse next season? Now, none of us watched every single minute of these player seasons, but we did watch three YouTube highlight videos titled Chelsea Loney Skills and Goals 21-22. <laughs> extreme, extreme edition. Welcome back to Cobham. Hashtag baller fire emoji. So we know everything. We know everything. But all grades and thoughts are from this spread. So if you, I'll, I've dropped, I'll drop a link and I've put it on Twitter as well. So... We're just sort of going to free throw it, free flow even, and just talk about a particular player of last season and then, you know, just go with that. So goalkeepers first up, you've got Nathan Baxter and Jamie Cumming. Now, Nathan Baxter in this thread got an eight and a half out of ten. He was apparently he started as second choice. He came in, solidified a nervy defence. He's a natural communicator, good with his feet, excellent shot stopper. Baxter quickly became a fan favourite, says, and he has a ball-playing ability and crucial to the whole system. And then you've got Jamie Cumming, who was MK Dons. He got an eight and a half out of ten as well. This thread was based on, I think, this account spoke to fans, so it's like a fan's perspective. Um, But MK Dons, he was apparently a fantastic shot stopper, commanded his area exceptionally, earned many points, but he could improve ball-playing-wise has potential for a number one CFC spot. Hmm. What What do you think about these keepers? Do you think they, there is a chart or are they just going to get farmed out on loan again? Uh, they will almost certainly go out on loan again. Hmm. Almost definitely. Oh, I mean, we're, we're being linked to other goalkeepers. So that, Yeah, that's what I've wrote down. I mean, I wrote down here, I put, look, because uh, I've obviously seen on social media, there's sort of two areas here that you fall into. Either one side where you're saying that you're ready, he's one of them is ready to be a backup to Mendy. Mainly, and well, the other is being that they failed to see how backstraw coming can be considered future Chelsea number ones at this point in their career, which is fair. I do understand that. I mean, Baxter's doing better every single season from my point of view, and he takes a step up every season in English football where... Wherever he goes, he, he just steps up. He steps up that game. And that's that's great for, you know, growth and improvement each year upon year. And maybe we'll get to that stage at number one in our club. It's, you never know. I mean, I'm 100% backing him to be a top Premier League goalkeeper in a backup role. But as you just said, it, it, it's dependent on Kepper, I think. Because if Kepper leaves, I'd love to say, you know what, Nathan, it's your time. Here's your bib. Sit on the bench, warm it, enjoy it. Develop some banter with the subs. But... Realistically, we've already got Thomas Strakosha, the former Lazio keeper, available on a free. 
he apparently yeah. is interested. We'll bring him in. That's how Chelsea do. I don't know what you think. Yeah, and the thing is, like, as a goalkeeper, if if the club have any belief that Baxter, especially, could continue to develop and maybe one day become a, a, a Chelsea number one, sitting him on the bench for us isn't going to do him any good because it's not like an outfield player. You're not going to get minutes. Like, a, any outfield player can sit on the bench and still develop. Because mm-hmm. they can still come on and get 20 minutes here and there in the yeah. odd game. You're not going to sub off your goalkeeper and give your, and your sub-goalkeeper 20 minutes. So, at most, he would play, what, the occasional FA Cup game if we drew against someone terrible mm-hmm. and Carabao Cup games. And that's all. That's the only football he would get. On the flip side of that, he would be getting better coaching, you would assume, mm-hmm. that Chelsea would have better coaches, goalkeeper coaches than Hull. For example, so yeah. But I, I think if they've got belief that he could develop into a Chelsea number one one day, then challenge him and loan him to a Premier League club. Yes, but, I agree. Because I again, think of gone. Yeah, you'd you'd want assurances from that club that he's going to be their number one. Yes. Or, well, yeah, least, of course. At, at least be able to fight for it. Like, there's no point in going to a Premier League club and being their number two. He could have done that. Us. Yeah, I mean, I think back to a player that I absolutely loved and I thought this kid is going to be one of the best keepers in Europe. I mean this, Alexander Nubel. He was at Schalke. He did two back-to-back amazing seasons and then he left to join Bayern. And I did think you're not going to take Neuer's number one spot. Developing on the bench doesn't happen. You're not going to... And he ended up... He, he joined Bayern, obviously, in the summer of 2020. Um, he made his debut in the DFB Pokal and then he played again in the Champions League against Atletico and then he made his Bundesliga debut at the end of the season. So not many games. Then he went out on loan. He's now on loan at Monaco for two years. What in my Yeah, he's got three honours to his name. He's got a Super Cup, a DFL Super Cup and a Bundesliga title. But he didn't. you can't learn as a backup. Not in my opinion, no. because you, like you said, you can't be subbed on. It, no one does that unless you've got a penalty shootout looming and you're a specialist. But that's the point. I think a, a Premier League loan is where I'm aiming for both of them. I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, it depends who's going to take them, of course, because you've got to find that club. But hey, championship level, I think, possible. I think Baxter, though, maybe Forrest, because their goalkeeper said that he's leaving. I think they're going to get Henderson. I think that looks likely now. Uh, We're not a Nottingham Forest pod, and they might not go for him, but it looks like Henderson is Forest bound. But someone like that who's down that sort of end of the table. Mm. Um, because I think with goalkeepers as well, I think it, we've seen how bad Billy Gilmore's loan was at, at a poor team like Norwich, but I don't think it's such a big deal for a goalkeeper because they get practice in a way mm. um, if you think of Jordan Pickford he was at Sunderland where he was making yeah. the saves in the league and he was he got better every year because he had more practice it's the same with Joe Hart when he was at Blues he developed so quick at Blues because he had so much practice of yeah. stopping and decision making oh, 100% you know the thing that you brought up there though which I think could be relevant to a lot of the people that we're going to talk about is I do like two-year loans because mm. 
I think the problem we have with a lot of our players who go out on loan is that when they're out on loan for a year, they never really settle anywhere. So they never, most of the time, they don't play their best football because they're not overly settled. They know they're coming back at the end of the season. Whereas I think two-year loans, they make it feel more like a permanent move, but it's not. But you can settle in to the team and the culture or wherever you are. It's like, because that's what we did with Courtois, wasn't it? He went to Atletico on a two-year loan. And then look how he developed there. So when he came back, he was was ready to be Chelsea number one. And Mm -hmm. he played his best football or some of his best football at Atletico because he was settled there because he knew he was there for two years which in football is a long time you know you can sign someone permanently as we have and you only be there a year so two years is, a, is an achievement yeah exactly I mean we'll look at defenders so you've got Ampadu, Juan Castillo, Ian Matson, Jake Clark Salter who we know has left, uh, Emerson, Levi Caldwell, Henry Lawrence, Dujon Sterling and Baba Rahman um Right. The main one is going to be Ampadu because he was apparently a key player last season for Venezia. He, he did look really good when I saw him there. And apparently he was consistent, great long pass, solid defensive ability. And he was apparently very versatile, which is great. We know he's got such potential from the Wales squad. Um, I, I'd love to see him given a chance in our first team. I really would. Juan Castillo... <laughs> But he seems to always go out on loan and ends up at the under-23s wherever he's on loan. Rinse, repeat, and it's basically that. I mean, apparently he was a disappointment at Blues and he wasn't favoured. There are loads of other unfortunate negative stuff there. Oh, and then he went to Cholton, I think, and it said again he played a few games for our under-23s. It said so. Not great loan there. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'll go for the ones that are going to be Jake Clark, like I said, read the thread yourselves. It's really decent and it gives you more of an insight. Ian Matson's going to be a name that everyone's going to be talking about, and I don't blame them. He was he was given an eight out of ten. He he weren't apparently he's not Premier League standard yet, but excellent going forward and a goal threat. Needs to improve defensively. A lot of silly yellows. Potentially on the way to Dortmund on loan. I like Ian Matson. Would you agree with that? He's probably best to go out on loan again yeah i really like i really liked his one actually because the coventry fan brought up that he had a really good season for coventry but doesn't believe he's especially chelsea standard because i think Mm. that's that's the issue with not just this but when you when you send players out on loan and you ask that club what was they like if they've fallen in love with these players they'll be like oh they could easily get into the chelsea team but they don't really realise how much of a step up it is from playing mid to lower end championship to playing for Chelsea, who want to be winning the Champions League. It's The step up is massive in terms of expectation, quality, consistency, pressure. It, it's a completely different situation. And some players can, can do it, as Mason Mount and, and Reese James have proved. But it's not necessarily you've had a good loan at Coventry, you're ready for the Chelsea first team. So I did like that about that one. And I do think I would be pushing for the Dortmund loan for Matson because I think that's a really good place to go and learn in a relatively high-pressure environment, but not as high-pressured as Chelsea, I would say. 
you're right with the loan. You can fall in love with a loanee. And Alex Pato for us, when he played two games, decent, <laughs> scored one. But for me, I absolutely loved that guy. And I was glad that he got to play in a Chelsea kit. And for me, he's the best striker we've ever had. But, <laughs> no, but yeah, he was. He, I, I, can't, I can't not like him. He was amazing. And injuries just hurt him so much. Um, Emerson's been the one that is interesting because Italian fans don't seem to rate him. Leon fans didn't rate him. He, he looked quite average whenever he's sort of played for us. And he wasn't sort of preferred by other managers either. He doesn't offer much going forward. And I still would have taken Digne in January as our backup, but so be it. Didn't happen. I mean, he was given a three and a half out of ten on this. And the Leon wow. fan said Emerson started well, but offensive input was non-existent. And he lost his start role two thirds for the season. Hmm. That's a worry for me. We want him back as well. But Yeah, I don't I don't see that because maybe as a left back he could be fine. But as yeah. a wing back, if your attacking output is zero, then there's literally no point in you playing now. You know, you might as well play Hudson Adoy there. At least he can do something going one way. Um Yeah. Uh, right. The the last few, we'll, we'll leave the best till last, of course. You had Bab- Babarahman, who I still can't believe plays for us. Um, seven and a half out of ten he was given. They they Yeah, he missed nine through injury. He was a consistent seven to ten, eight out of ten performer. Fair enough. He was liked by the fans and he ends the loan on good terms. That's fair enough. I think he'll probably go on on loan again. No, and, not- oh, is he Is his contract at the end or...? God, I hope so, because we've got to stop doing this. Like, oh I, yeah, we're terrible, aren't we? We buy a player and then never use them. I don't find it with young players if they're if they're 18 when they go on their first loan, and then we don't even consider them until they're 22, 23, and they've had like mm. five or six loans. That's fine. Yeah, Babarama, he, he must be about 26 by now. It's get rid of him. If he if he's not good enough now, he's never going to be. So just. Get rid of the bloke. He's not ever going to play for the Chelsea first team. So what's the point in loaning him out every year? Mm. Yeah, I, I I can see your point. I mean, Dujon Sterling got an 8 out of 10. He's been credited as a one to watch for certain in pre-season. Brilliant defensive quality. Won the ball. Put us on the counter, they, this fan has said. Excellent versatility. Played every position in a back three and four. Now that sort of screams that he could be doing something for Chelsea. We'll see. They say he deserves to be in the squad. From what I saw, I would agree, especially pre-season. We'll see. Um, Henry Lawrence got a 6 out of 10. Started well. A class above League One. Injury hit him and then he couldn't get in over a left-back. They say he needs a, a championship move next. We'll finish on the 10 out of 10. Ooh, Levi Colwell. Apparently, the level of maturity, ability and tactical know-how for his age is unreal. He'll 100% go all the way to the top in club football and international. Unreal talent. I I really liked what I saw with Levi Colwell, but is he ready or is it a Premier League loan? What do you think? It's it's hard, it, isn't it? Because he we especially when we need centre backs. It is hard, and I know I know people will use Rhys James as the benchmark for a defender who did well in the championship who can step up to the Chelsea first team and be incredible but let's face it Reese James is an anomaly and I agree I think Colwell had an 
excellent loan. But how many genuine world-class players did he come up against in the championship? None. He didn't come up against one. There's not a single world-class player in the championship. And then people, I think, are going too far in saying that he could quite easily come in and fill the Rudiger role. Here we're playing against Erling Haaland, Nunes, Harry Kane, Son, Salah. That's not... He would never have experienced anything like that in his entire career, coming up against players like that. And for a centre-back, such a crucial role. I'm not sure that you could make that step up. Could he be in the squad? Yep, definitely. But from what I read today, he doesn't want to be a bench player. But there's no way you're walking into the Chelsea first team having one good loan spell in the championship, in my it- opinion. It's it's uh, unlikely. We'll see. We'll see. I I I I would expect him to go to a Premier League side on loan. But if he gets a chance in pre-season, the impresses, why not? You can't. You know, we want you to do well. All brilliant. Let's get him in. Um, midfielders. Now, this is likely the department we're going to be bringing the hype. You know, we've got Danny Drinkwater, Bakayoko, Conor Gallagher, Tina Andrin, and Billy Gilmore. Uh, Drinkwater, he's he's leaving, so we don't really need to talk too much there. Bakayoko apparently got a 2 out of 10. He didn't get minutes, didn't perform when given the chance. Played 90 minutes twice, looked horrible. Oh, dear. He got a medal, though, for winning the um, Serie A. So, way. Uh, right. This, Tino Andrin was just unlucky because, from what they said, was he drove at defences with confidence, but injury hit him hard and they didn't get to see him often, which is fair. He, he was injury hit this season, which is a shame. Uh, when it comes to Billy Gilmore, we will get to Conor Gallagher, but when it comes to Billy Gilmore, I just feel that I have to bring up this soundbite. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. In big trouble. And I don't want to be in big trouble. Because uh, some say he was in a shit system, and that's on Dean Smith. Others yeah. say that he just wasn't good enough and he weren't suited for a relegation battle, which would probably be on us for actually, you know, loaning a player that this is the problem i get the upset whenever someone criticizes billy gilmore because of the talent and he's been man of the match in all of his debuts this is why i prefer not to speak because it's so difficult maybe he's one of these players that excels with talent around him instead of being the best player in the system it's he we need whatever happens this season if he gets sent out on loan again it has to be right move right club because you can't just waste another year of his ability no right firstly i would like to say that we called this in the summer that the norwich move wasn't going to be a good move for him because we said that what do you learn from being in a relegation battle that norwich mm. was going to be in and he learned nothing and i do think you are absolutely spot on if you look at the way Gilmore plays, he's very similar to Jorginho in terms of his style of play. He likes to collect the ball off the defenders, dictate the pace of a game, mix up his passing from short to long, and not overly adventurous in possession, but will keep a team ticking over. And he's the sort of player that top teams now want. If you put Jorginho in a really bad team, he would also look terrible. And it's 
wouldn't necessarily be down to him. And I think that's similar with Gilmore. I I think he needs top talent around him because all he's really doing is giving them the ball. Now, yeah. the problem is, is that if his mind is acting quicker than the players around him, he'll keep giving the ball away because he's playing a pass that he can see, but the player that he's tried to pass it to hasn't even recognised that he might even attempt that pass yet. So I think with Gilmore, I personally would keep him in the squad. See how, see how he does. Not as a starter, I'd like to clarify that. But see how he does with some better coaching around better players. Because if he can if he can come in and he can perform like he did under Lampard, he's a top mm. player in our top, in our side. Agreed. And I don't I don't think it's worth writing him off because of one loan, one bad loan at a team that was nowhere near Premier League quality. Well, I yeah. would keep, I'd keep him, see how he develops this year. If he doesn't develop to a point where he can get in the team this year, then next year you can look to loan or maybe even sell and say that maybe he's just not going to make it at this level. But I would go out on a limb and say, oh, I think if he stays around the squad this year, he he's like what Loftus-Cheek was this year. And come mm. mid-season, you're thinking, Gilmore's starting a lot of games That's and playing really point, well. Actually. I mean, from one bad loan to a very good loan, Conor Gallagher, nine and a half out of ten. Ooh, not bad. Not a ten. Not a ten. He won't play with their season. Um, <laughs> he's, he's apparently exceptional. We we don't disagree, apparently. Um, in attacking off the ball, press, work rate, tackling, amazing. One of the best players apparently this Palace uh, fan has ever seen play for his club. Um, needs to be in that free role centrally with a number eight and a DM with all the knit and grit, hunting packs with Gallagher. Yeah, I agree. I think Conor Gallagher was amazing. And he's actually a very good example where we're saying about Billy Gilmore because he had a loan to Swansea and Conor Gallagher had, where was that other, I always forget which club it was. He went on loan, Charlton. And it didn't didn't work out too well. And you were thinking, oh, oh, he goes to the right club, right system. And wow. Again, better player. Not Charlton, sorry, West Brom. Yeah, West Brom, yeah. Charlton was before that. It was the West Brom loan. You thought, oh, that didn't go well. No, he wasn't good at West Brom. But again, surrounded by poor players. Yeah. And then you put him in a Palace team where they've got good players at Palace. They've got some top talented players at Palace. And he can get the best out of them and they can get the best out of him. And I think that's what people don't understand sometimes. That it's not, you can't always take a good player and put them in a poor team and expect them to excel because it's just not how it works. Yeah, yeah. apart but, from destroying us, you know, West Brom, they went down. That's, that's the point. And, They're a relegation battle. But if if me saying that I would keep Gilmore would have shocked some people, I'm about to do it again. Because oh, no. I think, I, I, I don't think Gallagher suits Tuchel's system okay. at all. That's fair enough. That's a fair, I mean, I'd keep him and just make it work. I, listen, <laughs> I, I personally, as a fan, would love to see him stay. But at the same time, I would hate to see him stay, sit on the bench all season and do absolutely nothing because his career's on the up at the minute. And 
the last thing I'd want to see is his career to stall because Tuckle's trying to turn him into some double pivot player that he's never going to be. And then he just wastes a year of his career. Then we'll send him out on a loan, which probably won't work out. Yeah, and then yeah, before, I know what you mean. Two years down the line, he's been sold and we've got nothing out of him. So, personally, I think Tuckle's got a decision to make. If he wants to keep Gallagher, he's got to change the system. Either a 4-3-3 or at least a three-man midfield. He can stick with the back five if he likes, if he's going to go two up front. and Because like that Palace fan said, he has to play in that sort of free role where he's got other people doing with legs around him to help him on the press and he's got a defensive midfielder behind him for when teams play around him because they will because he presses so much that he will get played around by better teams so if Tuckle's willing to do that 100% keep and I think he could be a really really good player if Tuckle wants to play the double pivot like he had like he did last season you might as well sell him for the 40 million to Everton or wherever because he's never, ever going to be that player. Well, we move on to the forwards. There was only three. There was only three. You got Armando Brogia, Michi Bashwai, and Mason Burstow. Uh, listeners, keen listeners already know about Mason Burstow when we spoke to a Charlton podcast about him. Uh, Brogia got a 7 out of 10, which I think was pretty fair. You know, raw pay, strength, 1v1 ability when he's on his game. Started slowly, became the first time on the team sheet, put in excellent performances. During Abramovich's situation, he lost focus and performance. He suffered. He's undoubtedly a fantastic talent with the future who could lead the line for Chelsea if he applies himself right in each game. Yeah, I'm excited to see him. I think he has to be given a chance, mainly because we need a striker and this is the perfect time, you know, opportunity. And look, it's it, let's not look at who the Premier League club's interested in. Look at Serie A, Napoli, big team, big, big Big, important jersey, iconic. If they are interested, I think he has to get a chance. I, I don't know if you're feeling that he's ready. Um, no. Uh, listen, he's another player who I would definitely be looking at in pre-season. He impressed me in pre-season last year. I, I don't know whether I ever said it publicly, but I thought he was really good in pre-season last year. And I was a little bit disappointed when he got loaned out last year. Um, because I thought he'd done enough in pre-season to show that he could be around the, the first team. But I, I'll be honest, his Southampton loan did not impress me at all. Uh, people have gone mad for it, and I don't really understand why. He, he had maybe a six-game spell where he was really good for Southampton, and then the other 30-odd games, he was meh. I, I just think sometimes we get carried away with wanting to almost push young players to succeed when maybe they're okay. But let's put it this way. If if he was a Southampton player and he'd had exactly the same season as he did last year and we was linked with signing him this summer, no one would want him. I don't think. I don't think any Chelsea fan would be saying, that is a fantastic signing. I think oh, they'd be I can saying, see your point there. That's fair. I, I think they'd be saying he scored six goals last year. And mm-hmm. all of them come in like an eight-game spell. Um, then- yeah, you got one against Leeds in game week eight, uh, then against Burnley the following week, and then he didn't score until game week 15, and then 17, 18. Uh, oh, 18 was delayed because of COVID, so technically 20. And then 24. That's so. what I mean. So, I mean, 
again, another player look at in pre-season, but if people think that we could go into next season with him as our starting striker, they are deluded because he there's, there's no way. I, I, I personally don't think that you can't go on barren scoring runs for a club like Chelsea. We know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had we had genuine world-class strikers at our club who have gone four games without a goal and everyone's gone solemn. No, he's not good enough. Rubbish. Like I'm talking about strikers with proven track records of scoring goals and people give up on him after not scoring for four games. He went about 12 games with Southampton without scoring. At Chelsea, he'd be, he'd be gone. So... He's another one. Give him pre-season, but another loan, I think. I'd, I'd, I'd favour loaning him back to Southampton, to be honest. Yeah, well, we'll maybe. Maybe we'll have to keep an eye on it. Um, Bashway got three out of ten, started the season well, then missed incredibly big opportunities, hit the post more on scoring, lost his self-confidence, didn't score, misses kept getting worse. Bit of a shame, because I, I like Batch- Batch- is that Is that Bashway or Timo Werner? Oh, oh, he went there. <laughs> Because I, that, I like Batshuayi because of the West Brom. The West Brom goal, I will never forget cheering when we scored that goal in a, a room full of West Brom fans. So <laughs> I'll never forget I, it. I always loved Batshuayi, to be fair. I, yeah, I always thought yeah. he was good for us. He was good for us. He's another shame. one. Another str- like I'm not, I'm, I think we should be sold, but he was another one there where I think he's better around better players because all, all he does is the end bit. Mm. He just puts it in the net. Like, if you look at his record for Belgium, it's really good. because he's Oh, yeah, surrounded. it's amazing. I, I tweeted yes. that out earlier this week. It's ridiculous. And he just finishes, he just does the easy bit, if you like, and puts it in the goal. And that's what he always did for Chelsea, I thought. He, he always got a, he got a lot of tap-ins after everyone else had done the hard work for him. But then again, you put him in poor teams. They're not making those chances for him. So it's going to highlight that he's not an excellent all-round striker. I mean, we finished on Mason Burstow, who we got to speak about on an earlier pod. Um, it was He got a 7 out of 10, breakthrough year, played in the youth team, then joined the first team around November, scored, uh, well, got three goals and assists in 16 league appearances. They say once he joined Chelsea, it wasn't the same, gave next to nothing when played, his head was turned. When he does give 100%, he'll give Chelsea a fair bit to offer. He is only 18 a lot of time to grow and become a great player which they're certain he will uh yeah i agree i i remember getting quite i remember keeping a real close eye on his performances when he went back on loan and it weren't the same as he was prior which is a shame but he's young and hey maybe a loan to a championship club and yeah maybe we're seeing a loan to a championship club and needs to mature more because i don't like hearing things about Gave next to nothing once he joined Chelsea. Like he, like he went back to Charlton, wasn't it? Yeah, I still get shocked that they're in League One because I still see them as Alan Kerbishley's yeah. Premier League side. Yeah, like it's like he went back to Charlton on loan and thought, "I'm too good for you now," and I don't like that sort of attitude, especially in someone who's done nothing in his career yet. So, a loan to a Championship team and a lot of maturing to do before I'd want to see him in a Chelsea shirt. Mm. Fair. We'll sit, we'll probably go on. I can't imagine him staying oh, God. around the first team. It'd be unlikely. Uh, listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that thread. It is an amazing read. So seriously, go check it out if you when you get the chance. Um, before we sign off, we're going to find out who is that former blue 
At the start, I said he played 256 times for Chelsea. He scored 25 goals, sent off twice, both times being in the 90th minute. He finished his career in Azerbaijan and he's played with Torres, Fabino, and Sylvan Wiltord. Do you have any clues yet or shall I drop some more in? No, I'm going to need a bit more. All right. Maybe Fernando Torres, AC Milan. So there's there's something. Um, Fabino was at Real Madrid. So there's yeah. that, that starting out early. And Sylvain Wiltord was at Lyon. Okay, I think I... Oh, I might know. I might know. I, I can I can have I can have a guess and it's an educated guess. Go on. Michael Essien. Spot on. One hundred percent. Got to use a sound effect this week. Get it. Yeah. It was yeah, spot on. Um he turns forty this year as well. So uh, not quite fifty. <laughs> For some reason on his wiki page it says he's the FC Nordishland coach. I didn't know he was coaching. I genuinely did not know that. I tell you what. He come to mind straight away as soon as you said about finishing his career in Azerbaijan because I remember seeing it on social media that that's where he was playing. Really? Thought, he played two seasons over there as well. Yeah, and I, but it was when you said about where, where he played with them players and I thought, well, he's, he's definitely played for all those clubs, so I can risk it now. <laughs> well, his career, it was at, started at Bastia, went to Lyon, obviously went to Chelsea. Wow, what a player, what a player. Went to Real Madrid on loan because, hey, um, then Milan, Panathinaikos, Persib Bandung, which it says here are a team in uh, the Indonesian Football League. And then he went to Sabale. I've probably pronounced these terribly wrong. I do apologise. Uh, where he finished in Azerbaijan, which I know nothing about Azerbaijan football teams. They not not a clue. I honestly don't. You usually only ever remember certain clubs because top profile players went over and played there. Like you got Rivaldo went to certain clubs and that sort of thing. You're like, oh yeah. So yeah, it's it's such a shame with Sien though about that he got those injuries because I think he's always like not really remembered now. But my God, he was a good player. Oh, what an amazing player! Oh wow, wow. I mean, prime Sien scoring screamers. Yeah. Arsenal, Barcelona. Amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, with that, we, we have come to the end of another episode, but hold up. It's time for our interview series teaser. It's the finale. I know four episodes have come and gone so fast. Um, we saved the best till last because we're going to be talking to a former Chelsea player. Oh, oh, former. Yes. Who is it? Well, we'll tune in Monday and you'll find out. Um, but as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you do not already follow us. Uh, search it just search for at at the bridge pod um so till monday that's going to be us signing off